Welcome once more to your favourite podcast and my favourite podcast, Cage Fight. Uh, this is the second episode of this incredible show with me, Gregory Aikman. And as ever, I am joined by... Thomas Beeman. It's me again. Uh, I'm here. It is indeed. And would you tell the good people what on earth we're doing in this silly thing? So in this silly little podcast, Cage Fights, we are comparing two Nicolas Cage movies. We'll be doing so in every episode until we finally reach the Pinnacle Cage movie, which is obviously (laughs) uh, going to be Rage, right? (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it might be rage it might be rage i kind of wish we were doing con air today i'll take because i was i was watching a thing about con air because when i'm not busy watching films for this and making notes on it i am watching things about other nicholas cage films to see what's going on and the great thing about con air we'll go into this in great detail whenever we come to it john cusack still to this day refuses to discuss that film in <gasps> any interview what really Everyone hates that. Everyone, I know everyone who watches the film loves it, but everyone involved in that film despises it. Apparently, it was such a horrific thing, like an experience for everyone, and everyone was treated like utter dog shit. I am appalled. And I, wow, that is completely out of left field because it looks like people are having a lot of fun. But hey, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get we'll, there. We'll get to that. So there, there's a little teaser for uh, what's coming up in episode one. <laughs> But anyway, this this week, what have we done? I've watched Rage. What have you watched, Thomas? I watched Moonstruck. How we're going to do this is if we will give a brief synopsis of what the films are, and then we'll just have a massive fight to see which one is best and why. So, I've never seen Moonstruck. Would you mind explaining it to me? Run, Give Absolutely. me a rundown of the plot. I can't wait to tell you about this film. <laughs> so, this... A uh, film is set in New York during the 80s, I believe. Mm. It's about a character named Loretta, who's played by Cher. She's a widower in her mid-30s. Uh, she's dating a man of, I think, similar age named Johnny. Really, he, he just like proposes to her in a really lofty sort of way. But then he has to leave because his mom's dying. <laughs> and he stresses to her that she has to contact his brother, Ronnie, and invite him to the wedding. Uh, he can't do it because they're fighting for some reason he won't get into. Loretta agrees. She goes. She finds Ronnie. Ronnie is played by Nicolas Cage. Ronnie is an interesting character. Uh, he's a He makes bread for a living. He's really angry at his brother because he mauled his hand making Fuck. bread because Johnny for some reason. Look, this is it's not explained. Well. Hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. I... I I, I hate to interrupt you mid-flow, but yeah. someone's hand is mauled via making bread by yep. someone's brother. Yep. Uh, yeah. You got yep, it. You, you got yep. it. <laughs> you, you, you said what the writers wrote. Trust me. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, while this is happening, there's a B-plot of Loretta's parents, Cosmo and Rose, where Cosmo is seeing a mistress on the side. Mm. And Rose is suspicious uh, throughout the whole film. So Lorna confronts Ronnie about her brother and immediately ends up in bed with him. And I, I mean immediately. <laughs> Two scenes and it's donezo. 
so throughout the rest of the film, she's struggling to stay with Johnny, a man that she does not love, but yeah. is settling for, or breaking that up with, or she breaks up with Johnny, ends the engagement, and starts anew with Ronnie, who is someone that reminds her of her previous marriage, of which she she's kind of afraid of because that ended horribly. Like her first husband got into a, was hit by a bus of some sort. Oh, fucking hell. That came from nowhere. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's no, just get this. Does. Let's just get this love line worked out. It just straight in my head. So yeah. we have got lady hero, right? Yeah. Now she is in a relationship with a man who's fine, but she's just settling. He's not, he's not breaking any hearts. Yeah. He's Johnny not... is very okay. Okay, Johnny uh, Johnny Okay is uh, there just doing his thing. Meanwhile, she meets Nicolas Cage, who's exciting, dynamic, but the only downside is Nicolas Cage reminds her of her past lover or past husband who died from a bus. Yes, throughout the film, she's constantly saying how unlucky her whole first marriage was mm. and that it didn't start right, it didn't go well, and that's why it ended. Like, that's... For some reason, why her husband got hit by a bus. She was just okay. really unlucky. Okay, so Cage comes in. Cage is like the anti-Joe OK, and he's yeah. he's just bus man too. So he, <laughs> yes. so it's almost like in order for Lady Hero to get over a sense that her life is stalled and that it's unlucky and that she's, she's the problem, she needs to move forward with um, Settle Star, but instead her heart lies with her ex-husband who's her only ex because dead and the only way to get back with the ex-husband is via Nick Cage who's the same person for all intents and purposes. Is that correct? That is completely correct, yes. And okay. during the course of the film, that that's really the only plot. The subplot of the parents... <laughs> The way it ends is that the the mother goes out to dinner by herself. She meets with this guy. She asks she asks almost every man she meets during the film, like, why do men do this? Why do men chase women? It's never a clear answer. But she asks Cosmo to stop seeing his mistress, and he agrees. And this is, like, right at the end of the film. So that oh. settles right then and there. At the same time, Johnny comes home from, I believe, Italy, Sicily, I don't know, places, geography, who cares? <laughs> and he he comes home early, you know, Loretta's shocked, she's with Ronnie, she's going to admit to him that she's been with his brother this whole time, yeah. uh, but suddenly Johnny tells her he can't get married, everything's fine, Ronnie immediately proposes... She says yes. Film is over. So when Johnny comes back, he immediately lets her off the hook by saying, actually, I need to end it. Yep. For... Yeah. Okay. Throughout the whole film, the mother, his mother is dying. Yeah. And I, mean... I think he tells her that he's getting married or and, and then she comes alive again. Okay. And then he's like, I can't marry you or else my mother will die. It's not clear. But Sweet. he just, the writers are like, yeah, this ha we have to end this now. So we're just gonna let her, this character, off the hook and marry Ronnie. Okay, quick question: Does uh, names of of actors and writers and directors don't matter? But quick question: uh, Was the writer male or female? I believe it's a male writer. Okay, so and the man is writing into it. 
the part of a woman going, so what's the deal with men? Why do you all do what you do? Yeah. Like, that seems all of a sudden quite cynical, doesn't it? Absolutely. And the answers this woman receives is non-answers. Like, one particular character gives, like, an almost biblical answer Mm. uh, that, oh, the man has a rib removed to make a woman, so he's got a hole where the blah, 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 and then gotta make hole again, and it makes absolutely no sense. Right. So, and we can only imagine that the the male writer, and I think the gender of the writer is probably important. As soon as the film includes gender politics, then the gender of the whoever's writing it becomes quite important. So we can safely assume that he's writing his answer, his personal answer to the question: Why do men do what they do? Why are you all like that? Like, why don't you just settle down or do this or do the the other and that? He's is this a men's rights activism film that's an interesting statement because a part of this honestly is the other way there there's lines between ronnie and loretta about like the freedom of sexuality and you know saying goodbye to the contemporary notions of relationships and just being with the person you want to be with Mm. And for Loretta, she's she is made to feel suffocated under that, and Ronnie is made to release her from it. So she's suffocated by the idea of relationships not necessarily having to be monogamous, and like uh, she's suffocated by the by the idea of not having to settle. Or have I misunderstood this? Yeah, she's between Johnny and Ronnie. <laughs> God yeah. damn it. I hate that so much. <laughs> I hate these character names so much. Yeah, you know, Ronnie expresses to her that he doesn't give a shit if they both burn in hell over their copulation. She's technically with Johnny. By the way, this whole film is very Italian. It's yeah. steeped in that type of Catholicism. So just imagine like a wash of that over the entire film. And all was... I'm imagining is is the the stone cold fact that this is all revolving around share, and yes. that's just amazing. I mean, if we, I know we're not rating films on a scale of one to ten or something, but your film before anything else happens is a, a strong six because share is starring in it. So yes, uh, yes, the baseline for this film is a six because share is doing a lot, mm, I completely carrying this film, but her accent is wavering on comical so what sort of accent is she is she doing a, an italian of, accent is it like an italian accent or like an american italian is she like thingy from yes, um, my cousin Vinny? yeah that's a great point to make it is most certainly like a brooklyn new york ish type italian accent yeah so you've got the share just going like yeah forget about it Absolutely. whatever yeah Absolutely. That is what that is what Americans in New and York I know sound like. That share, I, I say I know, but I don't actually. I believe her to be Native American, and sh- quite possibly Italian. Share. Uh, Wiki. Right. Let's see. Um, I, I'm in. I'm interested now. She was born Sheridan Sirkisha. Uh She's American singer. She's uh, referred to as the goddess of pop. Better than the Queen of Pop Madonna, you fucking idiot. Um, uh, 
da, 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 da. I, I believe you're I believe you're right I believe she is Native American which means that if I decide that this film's rubbish and my film should win am I saying that I hate both Cher and by extension all Native Americans which I don't no, want to be saying not at all not even close oh thank Christ yeah because I'll let you, you off say, the hook there because this is a very overall this is a very okay movie yeah, it, like, did you enjoy it? When you were, watch, you were watching it, you were making notes, you were watching it for a reason, and like, oh, God, I'm going to have to talk about this and defend this and that. But did you enjoy it? Like, was it an enjoyable, like, hour and a half or something? So, I'll make some points. It may, maybe you'll glean from this mm, how I felt please. about the film. First of all, <laughs> yeah, Cher is absolutely carrying the entire film, and I think it's because I just like Cher. Uh, yeah. I think my most of my enjoyment comes from the fact that she is in this movie. Mm, um, mm. The runtime of this movie is an hour 41, which I believe to be pretty short film in terms of runtimes. Yeah. It could definitely have been cut down much further. <laughs> uh, this could easily be an hour 25, an hour 30 type film. Mm. There's just so much padding to it, especially since like the plot I gave you was really the most relative parts of the film. And it was really yeah. short. And like this is slap bang in the middle of Cher's like filmography because yeah. what was this like eighty seven, yeah. So just bef- just after the witches, uh, witches of Eastwick and just before Mermaids. So so this is peak Cher. Yeah, this is Cher. People are this- hot for Cher right now. Oh, they they love it. We haven't heard yet like whether or not we believe in life after love. We're not there. She hasn't no. found the vocoder or the auto tune or whatever. She's still just. Luckily, we we are not there yet. Yeah. But what about Cage? What are, what yes. what's Cage doing? So Shares that's Shares running point. the show. Go go for it. Sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's get to Nick, Nick Cage's performance <laughs> in this movie because we have to. We're mm, contractually mm. obligated. So again, Nick is playing Ronnie in the film. And the scene that we get introduced to him uh, is at first a brief phone call where he hangs up immediately upon hearing his brother's name. Obviously, we're denoted that he doesn't like him. Uh, So Cher goes to the place of his work, which is a bakery. He works in the basement of a bakery, which is where all the kilns and stuff are, which is insane. I don't think that's safe. Mm. And he gets to be cage like he this is his scene to be a cage actor and he really goes over the top about how his character's heartbroken because his hand was mauled making more bread he hates fucking bread now (laughs) and he blames johnny because johnny made him look the wrong way and then because his hand was mauled his fiance at the time left him Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. That's the character, but you know he Nick cages up this idea and gets to shout and threatens suicide a bunch of times, and it's quite dramatic. And this is, he, is it. Like this is all we really get of him <laughs> throughout the rest of the film. Has because, he got a false hand in the film? Yes, then is yes, wow. He's wearing a glove essentially with wooden fingers. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. and this is amazing. Yep, yeah. yep, I've just yeah. seen a photo of it. Okay, now th- th- this, again, pushes it an extra couple of points up. Absolutely, yes. Give Nick Cage 
a prop, a single prop that represents his character. And he he will, he's essentially like up there with Daniel Day-Lewis in my left foot, right? He is. <laughs> in in a way. But this is like my, my mangled bread. Practically the same thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same movie, really. Yeah, it basically when it comes down to it. <laughs> God love him. So would you, So if you had to, we'll go into this in more detail in a bit, but if you had to just decide straight off the bat, would this be a film that you would choose to watch again when you don't have any obligation to? No. Okay. No. Again, it's it's a very middle-of-the-road type film. Mm. It's romantic and quirky, but not quirky in ways that are very enjoyable. And again, Nicholas, he's only in a few scenes. Oh, really? Yeah, he doesn't really get to act except for the introduction. Every so often, he's just... He's basically an object for Cher's character. And, nice. and that's it. That's the that's the film right there. I mean, it, it's where we've all dreamed to be many times in our lives. Just an oh, object God. to help Cher get through her life. I've realized, I think, watching this film, one thing. And that is, Carmen Sandiego and Cher are probably... That's the woman I've been chasing my entire life. Is <laughs> a combination of Cher and Carmen Sandiego. That's who I've always wanted to be with. Is, 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 are you just writing your Tinder profile now? Yeah. Uh, so looking for uh, 1980s Cher, please. That is, <laughs> that, that is what I'm You got after. one of those universe? Please send it my way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've got some trivia about the film very quickly. Yeah, uh, go for it, go for it. So this was shot after Peggy Sue got married. Okay. Uh, so he's he's got that belt, he's got that movie under his belt. Mm. Uh, this film was included in Roger Ebert's greatest movies list. Really? Yeah, really interesting that, because, man, I gotta say, not a great movie. <laughs> uh <laughs> It's ranked number eight on the American Film Institute's list of ten greatest films in the genre of romantic comedy. Wow. Yeah, don't agree with that either. <laughs> Probably not ten, in my opinion. Olympia Dukatis, the woman yeah. who played Rose in the film, this was her Oscar-winning performance. Oh, shit. Yeah, and her only Academy Award nomination. To be honest, her acting in this film is the best acting throughout the entire film, period. I know we spoke about her venture in this movie uh, in the subplot of her trying to figure out why men chase, but yeah. her angle and acting and all of it was... It was sublime. It was quite good. Oh, fantastic. So this is, like, a genuinely, like, lauded piece of cinema. Yeah, I actually think... I That was very surprising to me, too. It seems like this was a hit, so this is 1987. Because so, yeah. I think through watching all these films, we're going to find the exact movie where the critics turned on Nicolas Cage. Mm. Which it's going to be about 2010, isn't it? But Let's right, hope so, at least. Because even into the 90s, he was in some films which, you know, sometimes they were just brain-dead action, but they were always hellishly fun. And it wasn't until the 2000, uh, 2010s and onwards that he, uh, you know, when, when he was in debt and he started doing everything that came along. That's when uh, the critics turned on him and he started doing films like like Rage that get 0% scores. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which... 
Rage. So how do I haven't seen that movie? At least I don't think. Okay, this is peak 2014 Cage. Oh, how tasty! How give me a Nickometer right now? I need to know. Oh, oh, Nickometer. Right now, the thing is, this is a very subdued Cage. Throughout Ooh. the whole film, there's a couple of moments. There's a beautiful moment, and I'll explain why this happens, but just as a little taster, there is a moment where he's holding a man who's laying on the floor unconscious in sort of a pool of water. He's holding the man's head, smashing it against the floor, yelling, don't you die on me. <laughs> he beats the man to death while yelling, don't die. Okay, so we do have a couple of moments of cage rage idiocy, but for the most part, he's phoning it in it's a subdued performance which which works in 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 time right okay basic plot rage yeah. is you know taken those films absolutely right? yeah very familiar imagine those films but with nicholas cage phoning it in and the daughter who's kidnapped gets killed right at the start of the film i'm there so that's that's the basic thing. Nicolas Cage, he is a ex-mobster who has gone straight. He's still friends with his with his old mobster boss, but he's gone he's gone straight, but the police occasionally hassle him because they know he used to have a life of crime. But he's there, he's got his new wife there in love and they do lots of smooching. It's great. He's got a daughter who's 17. One night Nicolas Cage and his wife go out while they're out the police come over to him and go hey your daughter's gone missing he gets home finds out there has been a break-in at his house his daughter was there with with a couple of her 17 year old friends they were drinking and just chilling out but some gangsters broke in stole her whatever oh my god rage thinks i gotta speak to the mob boss and work out what's going on he speaks to the mob boss and the mob boss is like hey we'll see what we can do but just leave it chill out you're not in the game we'll look after it Meanwhile, Nicolas Cage meets up with his two best friends who are also sort of kind of in the game, kind of not in the game and all of that stuff. Well, what happens as a result of that is these three people, just like in Taken, decide to try and work out what it is. They realise that in the past they had some run-ins with the Russian mob. Maybe the Russian mob are just wreaking uh, some sort of revenge on him. So this this goes on. They meet up with the Russian mob. They slowly murder tons of people. And then the Russian mob exert revenge. Loads of brutal murder. Loads of killing. And then we find out at the very end that the mob did have nothing to do with it no one kidnapped his daughter it was one of her friends at the party at the beginning they got drunk they started playing with a gun and they accidentally shot her dead so they hit her body and pretended that it was the mob and then cage is upset obviously but he lets the kid go because it reminds him of when he was a child and accidentally murdered someone and then cage just uh, kills himself. The end. Now, what? Yep. What? The he whole f- just film kills just, himself. Yep. The main driving thrust of the film. It's an action by numbers. Like, uh, ah. it, you know, uh, ex mobster gone, gone good. Gets dragged back in the game. Meets people. Beats people up. Tortures people. Kills people. Whatever. Everyone dies. Sure. But at the end, the twist is genuinely 
so unexpected that this film out of nowhere goes, no, this is like a film about gun control. That's what this is. This is a film saying, like, you know, most most uh, kids who get shot by guns get shot by, you know, guns that friends. their family own or yeah. friends and that. And it's most of these deaths are, they're horrific, obviously, but they're just accidents. So what you're saying is the writers couldn't figure out how to end the movie. <laughs> yes. So they came up with some fucking bullshit. Uh-huh. That's that's pretty and much. Nicholas Cage is like, we're never doing a sequel to this. Kill my character. Yeah, but the wonderful thing is, Nicholas Cage, like, there there are some wonderful brain dead action lines in this, like, this could get dirty. So how deep do you want this to go? And Nicholas Cage just goes, How deep as hell? Okay, we're on that level of Ooh, writing. That's pretty good. And we got the lives are quiet like knives doesn't make sense but sounds uh, threatening yeah, nope. but it life ends. knife rhyme i guess knife life yeah it's pretty much the same thing yeah but beautifully the last line in the film uh cage is on the phone to his wife essentially saying i'm gonna die i'm sorry for dragging you through all this nonsense but cage he it it must have taken every ounce of his acting skill not to look directly into the camera because this is peak 2014 shit cage time and the last line of the film is, I'm sorry I let you down. Oh. I think that's to us. Yeah, I that's, think that's Cage speaking to I, his fans. When you said that, I was like, oh, that's, you're talking to me. Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. Not a question in my mind. Uh, like, the film is not good, okay? Sure, it's not yeah. a good film. It's a boring, like, straight to DVD, get it at the Dollar Tree, sure. um, at the checkout, well, you know, while you go like, oh, I might get a chocolate bar and a shit Nic- Nicolas Cage action film. Why not? You know, it's that sort of thing. <laughs> but, um... Okay, it, so I have a question. Yeah. Being a child of the 90s, I've mm. seen plenty of stupid action films. And I do <laughs> love them. But what makes an action film good, in my opinion, is not how stupid or smart it is. It's... Is there any scenes in the film, any action scenes that are interesting or spectacular no there are two set pieces like there's there's quite a few scenes where people just get shot or punched but there's two set pieces one is a car chase which is about 15 minutes long and it it's just tedious it's it's the usual thing the cage is chasing uh, a russian mobster in a car and the russian mobster like times it so he goes across an intersection just as it's turning red cage follows him a couple of cars smash just does that about eight times i think within Uh. this 15 minute chase it's not good and it ends up because cage kind of knows the police who is the policeman who is paid by a danny glover who is definitely too old for this shit like (laughs) the man does not look good he is aged poorly in this film, oh, I don't know poor, about in in real Danny life Glover. he's been doing wonderful and everything, but in this film they've they've made him up to look haggard, so the so the man looks like you know he shouldn't be there. But Cage just does some damage, and Danny Glover just goes, "Look, stop looking for your daughter's murderer. We're on it." And then Cage just wanders off the end. There's another action set piece which is quite nice, where Cage and his two mates just go into a Russian drug dealer's like house. And they just kill everyone, and it's brutal, and it's just very quick. And I, I don't know what a real life gunfight would be like, but this feels realistic because it wasn't too showy. It was like bang, 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 
relatively quiet guns, people falling down in real in what I would argue as as a realistic way, and it's brutal in the simplicity of it. That was a great action set piece. But other than that, it's rubbish. We've got the moment where Cage is smashing someone's face against the floor yelling don't die. That's a lot of fun. But other than that, like I was I was trying to make notes and I like to bring out like, oh, this scene will be fun to talk about. There were no scenes that would be fun to talk about. <laughs> it's not good, but but I still like it. And the reason I like it oh, is really? that twist. Like there's a scene where Nicolas yeah. Cage is speaking to this seventeen year old kid, well the seventeen year old kid who um is crying and acting very bloody well is saying like I killed your daughter, I'm so sorry it was an accident. I genuinely love her and we were good friends and I wanted slightly more. Cause thankfully there's no like a couple of times you think, Oh, it's gonna be one of those films where there's some sort of like, oh my god, some sort of sexual predatory thing going on, which often Ooh. happens in these films. Yeah, Thankfully, none of that goes on. Like, it's a genuine accident. They show a flashback scene, and it's it's heartbreaking, because they do it, They the kids act really well, and they do it uh. very, very well. But that scene is so crushing, and the reaction, the sort of Cage's character suddenly just giving up. Like, he doesn't get really angry and start going on another rampage. He considers killing the boy, but decides, like, no, it was an accident. But he's still distraught and ends up killing himself. It's it's so such a crushing turn, particularly when you think this whole film was a waste of time. Everyone who died has had nothing to do with it. All oh, of his yeah. mates who died, and obviously there were brief moments of like, actually, I think it was it was my friend. You, you must have like sold my daughter out. It was actually you. No, it wasn't me. I don't believe you. Punch, punch, punch. Stabby, stabby, stab. Like, all of that was for nothing, and that wow. that was genuinely moving. Like the rest of the film, dog shit. This one moment makes the film. I would argue. I don't know if it saves it. But it makes it worth watching, even though, like, because the whole film is a waste of time. The entire <laughs> film doesn't need to happen. If if they turned this into a 15-minute short film, which was just, like, you come in with the last five minutes of action and murder and chasing and all of that, like, open loud and big for five minutes, and during that five minutes it seeds in the idea that he's trying to get revenge for his daughter, and then you have the denouement with the last ten minutes of him and the child just having this heart-to-heart and it going to black and all of that. That would be a phenomenal short film. But this is like an hour and 34 minutes. Most of it's dog shit, run-of-the-mill rubbish straight to straight to video or straight to home t- home cinema <laughs> straight straight, <laughs> straight to, to vcr now they, yes. they don't even do dvd or bluetooth it, blu-ray exactly. they just go straight to vcr yeah, straight straight to betamax with no one <laughs> like it it's rubbish but it all but it's almost made worthwhile by the end and i can't i can't decide and particularly when cage's character just speaks directly to the audience i am certain saying i'm sorry i let you down <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's surprising to hear because you hear a title like rage and you mm. and it be of the time frame where Nicolas yeah. Cage is just selling out, you would think like it is a mindless romp, and it sounds like for the most part it is. But that ending is, yeah, it's quite surprising to hear that. If you told me, uh, 
and you did that it happened (laughs) yeah i am surprised imagine what it'd be like if i just told you the things i told you it's weird isn't it (laughs) yeah that's what a crazy universe i almost wish you did and then told me to watch the film because holy crap i never in a million years would i bet on that kind of dramatic and interesting ending as that was you know i think it's one of those films where the end being spoiled will will make the watching experience better because Ooh, really yeah if it's as it's there as a surprise uh, uh with a surprise the first time i'd i i i hadn't heard of the film before i watched it knowing we were doing this project i just went on an, a streaming site and found like oh i tell you what these these particular eight nicholas cage films are all a, like one dollar each so i may as well buy all of those so i've just got them <laughs> when we get to them or whatever I knew it wasn't going to be a good film, but it was so jarring at the end where it pulled it. It made me feel, it made me feel cheated because it's like, how dare you allow me to be bored if you're going to do this? And I read, agreed, yeah. I read some reviews, just uh, like user reviews and just ordinary people, because no fucking real thing reviewed this. Like there, there are not reviews of this film no one cared everyone telling me that roger ebert did not touch this film roger ebert for some reason decided not to put it on a list a lot of users a lot of viewers were saying oh it's uh it's a stupid it's a stupid twist which makes no sense it's like yeah unless you think of it as the only job of the film is to be i don't know anti-guns or pro-gun control or, or or whatever stance it is it's either a lazy, nah, shit, how are we going to bring this film to a close? Fuck it, let's do this. It's either that, or it's got a very strict plan of what it's going to do. And if you go into the film knowing that, because I watched it a second time, uh, knowing it to see what it was like, knowing how it ends. Oh, you poor, you poor bastard. It becomes a really emotionally intense film. If you know that everything that's happening Ooh. is a waste if you know everyone who dies whether they're a goodie they're a baddie whatever they've done in the past you know that they're being murdered for no reason and when he has arguments with family and friends you know that these arguments are happening for nothing yeah the i the concept that she has been dead Mm. the entire time and there was only the kid to blame yeah it's such a crazy thing to think about when Wow, like, do you... Is this on purpose? I I hope so. I don't know. Like, because you are told, like, very early in the film, you're told, like, the daughter's missing, the daughter's dead. That's not hidden from you. I think, oh. with, like, within about five minutes of him finding out his daughter's, uh, as far as the story goes, being kidnapped, five minutes later in in film time, I don't know uh, what happens in, in the world within the film, how long it is, probably about two days, I think. But uh, five minutes of viewing time, you find out, oh, we found a body, she, she's dead. Oh, uh, uh, quite an important plot point I forgot to mention. Um, she was killed by a... Uh, the original title of this film was Tokarev, which I found out is a type of gun, a Russian gun. Yeah. She was killed uh. by... Uh, they found Tokarev bullets, which are Russian bullets, therefore that's why he thought, ah, oh, the Russian mob. But anyway, right. Uh, so very quickly at the start, you're going like, she's kidnapped, she's dead. So that's not hidden from us but then the whole of the film is based on a false premise and i love that i just i would i do love that too Mm. i i do love the thought that the whole thing and even possibly the title of the film was led yeah to make you believe 
that this was going to be a a, a brain dead romp of murder. Yeah. But instead is an actual like poignant remark on gun control. You see, I would be tempted to say, and I, 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 there's only the second episode, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I will not say this frequently, but I would love this film to be remade with a cast of like solid actors. Like the same, Ooh. same plot, rejig the um, script, because for fuck's sake, lives are quiet like knives. That's <laughs> utterly ludicrous. But, um, yeah, nonsensical. But it's a powerful, so it's, it, it's a thing, like, uh, at some point we're going to decide which of these two films is going to go through to the next next round. And the thing is, Moonstruck is going to be the much better film and that deserves it, but I want Rage to go through because it's got such potential okay. to be groundbreaking. All right. Let's talk about this because after watching that film, yeah. And it is it is a bloated film. It has some good acting. It's not really heavy on the neck. I still think that you should watch it mm. because it, even though it has these parts that linger, I think as a whole, it's an enjoyable film. It doesn't end in a satisfying way. Yeah. Um, but the to to watch Cher go through everything that she's going through in this film, it, it is enjoyable to watch. Okay. Well, it, it's always a pleasure to see Cher, though, isn't it? Like, not even in a sort of like isn't she lovely i wonder if she's gonna do a song like yeah just in a way that like the share can act much better than um because uh, whenever a singer starts doing acting your automatic assumption is this is going to be a waste of everyone's time oh uh, yeah this is going to be a 50 cent moment yeah exactly it's like when um well, well exactly like when 50 cent did that movie like there, there's not a better <laughs> way to describe a 50 cent m- moment than than that that 50 cent film you're right yeah yeah uh, or like when tom waits does like five or ten minutes in any film and it's like tom <laughs> You're cheapening everything. Tom, get out of here, Tom. <laughs> I love you, but put your hat back on and fuck off out of the movies. Absolutely. So this... It, but I will say that it's... Oh, how It's kind of boring. Yeah. It, it really is kind of boring. And... Well, both are. Like, this I, is... I a- don't know if Cher is enough to redeem the boring parts of this film. Mm, well, this is Again, it. This it, is it. It's like with Rage. If they had just cut out those parts uh, where they kind of meander and hang on certain aspects, it would have been a much better film. Yeah. Well, wow. It, okay. I feel like both of these films are about on the level with each other. Yeah, because I think what it's going to... The thing is, it depends how you want to rate this, because essentially both films are boring. That, that is our baseline. Both films, if we're honest, they're dull. They didn't capture our imagination constantly. However, Cher stopped, the, your film, stopped Moonstruck being shit. Gun Control Message stopped Rage being shit. So you look at, okay, well, yeah. what's more important, Gun Control or Cher? I honestly don't know. So you turn to, like, what about Cage's acting? Well... 
cage. It's quite a fulcrum to be balancing on. Well, this is this is. I would happily wear a T-shirt say, saying "Gun Control" or "More Share Tickets," one or the other. Like I, I accept we can't have both, but you know. I like to think that we don't have gun, gun control because some politician got share tickets. We will ne it's it's that horrible thing, isn't it? As long as there is a share in the world, we can never have gun control. And we don't We don't want to get rid of share. No. Like imagine if you could have equality, perfect equality across the world, but Dolly Parton had to die for it. Like Yeah. <gasps> never. What do you do? Like she would be there going like, No, go on, I'll sacrifice myself. Like, no, Dolly, we need to save you from yourself. That one time where I had a hernia, I will take that as long as we keep Dolly Parton. Okay, so you'll have a hernia for Dolly Parton. You heard correct. <laughs> I did say that out loud. Good. I, I just, I just wanted to make sure. But uh, yeah, so share or gun control, or what about the cage? What about the cage bits? Your film. Yeah, let's. Okay, I feel like we should say. I I feel like the one that goes forward should be cage based. Yes. And to be perfectly honest. Not that much cage in this movie. But the cage you have is quality cage. It's young, interesting cage mm. doing a bit of a cagey thing. Yeah. Well, uh, but it's so brief. But then with, with Rage, you've got cage throughout the whole thing. He is definitely the lead. And he he is in almost every single scene. But he is not being a good cage. Like, he is uh, oh. being... He is being withdrawn in a way which might make sense for the film, but makes it uninteresting. So you're saying it's a it's a subdued cage. It's a subdued cage. So you get we can't do subdued. Cage we can't, cage. but we can do. But it's copious cage, copious subdued cage. It's a lot of cage. Yeah. Or is it quantity over quality? I don't. What's, I don't know. What are we going with? What? What? Because I would rather see two minutes of quality cage mm. than an hour and a half of uh, 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 knives knives like i don't want to see that <laughs> i mean if you put it like that i don't want to see that either but you're, you're right moonstruck has got quality cake i mean this whole project is quantitative rather than qualitative like <laughs> so true so fucking true I think I'm going to have to agree with you, and I think Moonstruck's going to have to take it just because small small cage, but great cage. Absolutely. Small cage, but great cage. I think it wins over. Rage is constant cage, but not good cage. Made slightly better by the fact that he does apologise for that in film, in character. <laughs> to the audience. Yeah, I'm sorry, Rage. You're going to have to go. Moonstruck it is. Are we happy with Moonstruck? Absolutely. Moonstruck, you're going through. And that's been it, ladies and gentlemen, and everything in between. Moonstruck is our winner. And that will bring this to a close. Greg, what do you have going on? At the moment, I've got loads going on. Uh, for all of it, go to gregoryaikman.org and you will be able to find uh, my staging ground for everything. The Bible, the Better Bible podcast is in full swing. I think by the time this goes out, the Smoke and Mirror sessions will be, all ten of them will be released. There's loads of stuff going on. But Thomas, what about you? Yeah, you know, unlike Rage, it's 
it's both quantity and quality. (laughs) Uh, For me, I might be streaming at this time. Mm. I might have a Twitter. Again, you guys are going to have to find that on your own. It's gonna. It's a, it's a little mystery. I've set up an ARG for it. Yes. Uh, good luck. Let's <laughs> not make make ARGs great again. <laughs> All right. We'll see you later with another yeah. two Cage films. Well done, Moonstruck. Cage you later. What do you say we cut the chit chat a hole? <laughs>